You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is the voice of the working class, Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to. Lots to talk about. The Iowa caucus yesterday came off as I think most people expected. Donald Trump uh, came out on top. Um, not not surprising. Anybody anybody shocked? Uh, I think fifty three percent was uh, was the lower end of what I was expecting. I th- I thought he probably should have been near sixty, given the fact that you know the the hype, the free press, uh, as radical as we're told Iowa was supposed to be. Um, we'll see what brings us to Iowa. I mean, there's a lot to get to on this, but Hey, um, and this was my favorite. There's a lot of crazy that's been going on in Iowa in the last couple of weeks, the Trump camp. I don't know if people just aren't paying attention. If we're numb to the insanity, I'm, I'm really not sure, but my favorite, I think my favorite story in all of this was uh lunatic fringe conspiracy theorist, Laura Loomer who big Trump ally, big surrogate, who um, <laughs> said that the weather, because it was it's cold, it's really cold in Iowa, because it's Iowa. Don't know if you know, Iowa's a cold place in January. Uh, but evidently, uh, uh, Looney Laura um, said that it's, it's because uh, Nikki and her friends in the defense industry are using weather manipulation to make it cold in in January in in Iowa cold in January in Iowa with through weather manipulation by the defense department for Nikki Haley <laughs> against the former president I mean this is this is real deep state stuff here and I love the the fact that you know the victim thing cuz nobody plays victims like conservatives like red hats I think it's in the dye. I think the dye gets into the brain, and I'm not. I'm not really sure, <laughs> but it's 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 quite it's quite 
quite weird. And, you know, the thing is, is you know, I was watching some of the speeches and, and I've been, you know, consuming some of the clips coming out of Iowa and some of Trump's speeches and some of the just the craziness. Like, did you know magnets don't work underwater? Um, I, I evidently it's one of the things that Trump said, you know, recently that, you know, magnets don't work underwater. You know, give me a glass of water. Let's, let me drop it on the magnets. It's the end of the magnet. Really? I think you're um, think you're thinking of something else. But but no, that that did not. Uh, evidently, he bragged about putting on pants. That's that's something else that scratching of the head. Uh, I love the quip. First, they say, sir, how do you do it? How do you wake up in the morning and put on your pants? <laughs> he said, well, I, I don't think about it too much. And I don't want to think about it because I, I, if I think about it too much, maybe I won't want to do it. And the thing is, is, people show up in the cold in January in Iowa to hear this drivel. This is the stuff that blows my mind. People show up in January in Iowa to listen to this guy and listen to this kind of... And look, you know, the thing is, is I, I get it. It's it's all about mocking uh, Biden. Because uh, he, he did that too. He mocked Biden's stutter. And would you expect nothing less from Trump than to mock people? Uh, he mocked Biden's stutter. He mocked John McCain's injuries uh, because, you know, he was you know, he was all upset that McCain didn't shoot down the Affordable Care Act because, well, you know, something about he couldn't raise, you know, he couldn't raise his arm. You know, just mocking the guy. And my, my first thought is, you know, John McCain was a guy, no, he couldn't raise his arm because they broke his, his shoulders and all that. Uh, but there was a guy, even couldn't raise his arm, still would have whooped your behind. Probably even still now. And yes, I know he's been, he's passed a, a number of years. But you, know, you stop and you think about this, the craziness that, that's come out of this guy and what's happened to our politics. Uh, he, he posted a video uh, that asserted that you know that that God made Trump, and I guess you know if you're if you're a hyper Christian, you know, God made everyone in His own image, except Donald Trump, who was special. And you, know, you just go down the list of all this stuff. I mean, outside of bragging about putting on pants, I at that point don't, don't you just walk away? Don't you just go enough already? Uh, he bragged about his ability to negotiate. He could have negotiated us out of the Civil War. I'm like, really? That that. Uh, he went on and, you know, he, he talked about the fact that he uh, uh, he wants to, to free the insurrection or the, the not the insurrectionists. No, no. Uh, the hostages, the January 6th hostages. Got to free the hostages. You know, Joe Biden could free the hostages. <laughs> and uh, evidently a 17 year old opened fire at a high school in, in Iowa, killed an 11 year old and injured four students and three staff members before he killed himself. And um Trump said, surprised to see something like that happen in Iowa. But people just need to find a way to get over it. You just got to get get over it. Yeah, just, just kind of got to get over it. And 53% of people went to the polls and voted for this, this kind of insanity. Said, yeah, this is what we want for four years in the White House. And look, there was a ton of other stuff that just, just blew my mind. Uh, the quote about, I hope the economy collapses just... You know, really? Um, and I know no one's really paying attention to anything he says anymore because we've all become kind of numb. 
to the to the craziness we've all become kind of numb to the to the shock value it's it's no longer there's no longer shock anymore like the first time you heard him swear uh, a politician swore that that never happened before but there he is using the all the colorful language of george carlin's seven words you can't say on tv or anywhere else in polite conversation and that got him a rousing cheer but what's it done for our discourse? What's it done for our policy? What's it done for our ability to, to move this country in the right direction? How's it hardened and coarsened our politics? We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, State, Iowa State Representative J.D. Scholten is going to be here to talk about what happened to Iowa. And is it the Trump effect that's done this or is it something worse? Quick break. Right back after this. Stick around. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1865. That was the day General William T. Sherman issued Field Order Number 15. The order sought to redistribute 400,000 acres of land to freed blacks in 40-acre tracts. The area stretched from Charleston, South Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, from the Atlantic Ocean to 30 miles inland. It also included many coastal islands, as well as Georgia's Sea Islands. Coming on the heels of Sherman's march to the sea, the order was issued from Savannah, Georgia. Four days earlier, Sherman had met with 20 black ministers and the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton. Sherman and Stanton asked the group a series of questions. How did they understand slavery, and what did freedom mean to them? When asked what the freedmen wanted most, Garrison Frazier, the group's spokesman, replied, land. And when asked whether they would prefer to live among whites or not, they replied no, as the prejudice of whites would take years to overcome. The order provided for the immediate settlement of black refugees on confiscated land. Land redistribution to former slaves was radical policy to break the economic power of the Confederacy, punish South Carolina for starting the war, and begin to consolidate a new class of agricultural laborers. The land titles were possessory, however, and contingent upon the Freedmen's Bureau to award permanent titles. President Andrew Johnson moved quickly in the wake of Lincoln's assassination to overturn Field Order No. 15. Within a year, it would be reversed and confiscated lands would be returned to newly pardoned Confederates and plantation owners. The overturning of the order and later of Reconstruction would lay the basis for a new type of slavery, that of sharecropping, debt peonage, and contract labor. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. Welcome back to The Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So the other day there was an article over at the Washington Post that caught my attention. Thought it was thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, it said, and I quote, Trump has helped transform Iowa from a swing state into a GOP stronghold. He carried the state by more than eight points in 2020, a 14-point swing since former President Barack Obama won it in 2012. No other state has shifted as hard towards Republicans in the same period. And that's that's all true. I don't know that I give Donald Trump that much credit. Sorry, I, I just don't know that I'm, I'm giving him all of that credit. Uh, and here to share some thoughts on, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, 
I've been to Iowa a couple of times. Maybe there's something I'm missing. But the last time I was there, my good friend J.D. Scholten uh, showed me around and, and had some interesting thoughts. That's why I've asked Iowa State Representative uh, J.D. Scholten to come back and share some thoughts with us. J.D., thanks for taking time for us. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks for the invite. So uh, you buying this? You, this, uh, this, you know, hey, uh, you know, Donald Trump did this. Donald Trump made Iowa at this extreme kind of Republican state now? I think that's an oversimplification. Um, you know, I think there's one county in particular that I love to talk about that what we've seen that voted for Obama in, in 2008 and 2012 and, and in 2020 voted for Trump at almost 70%. And to me, that shift is just like that, that county exemplifies what happened. And the, what we saw is there's no elected Democrats in that county. Um, talk radio has gotten more um, radical. It used to be just AP News, and now it's it's 10 hours of, of right-wing propaganda a day. And then you also, the, the other component is the mis- and disinformation on Facebook. Uh, Iowa voters are disproportionately more than anybody else in the country or as much as anybody else on Facebook. And you add those things up together and then you bring in a candidate like Trump and, and saw the shift. Uh, that's to me, that's that's more or less everything. And you add a lot of the hardship that that has gone on over the last couple of decades. And this is what we, we talked about as we were going through Iowa and talking to people uh, the, the standard of living has been in decline. Uh, Deindustrialization has hit communities extraordinarily hard, especially in a state like Iowa that was a a make it kind of state, a state that had you know communities that were proud to be uh, you know a factory town, uh, and to have that identity ripped away. That has, I think, that has more to do with it than everything else. The fact that their identity I- has been taken away. I don't think there's a, another state that trickle down economics has just just shown how useless it is as it is in in, in Iowa, especially my neck of the woods, Northwest Iowa. We're an agriculture state, Sioux City, where I live. We're an immigrant meatpacking town since the 1880s, and we see all these CEOs getting record uh, 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 salaries. We have the companies bragging about record profits, and what. The salaries of the workers, the men and women who are working in these meatpacking plants before COVID, they're at about 17 bucks, uh, which was the big try to draw to get folks in. Now they're up to 24 bucks post COVID. And, you know, that's for every $50,000 at one of these plants, I, I was told by a city councilwoman, for every $50,000 employee, so that's salary and benefits and all that, the, the plant gets $800,000 of production out of that, that employee. Wow. And you tell me that's right. Like that. And and we feel that here, you know, and, and so did Trump capitalize on that? Yeah. But, but at the same time, like the, a huge part of the Obama excitement and everything was that change. And then when it didn't change the lives that we were hoping for, that's what we saw the backlash and were to Trumpism. So to me, what I see is a huge potential movement, especially in the working class uh, about, and you see it in the strikes happening, the UAW strikes and other strikes happening all throughout the country and especially here in Iowa. I think there's a, a especially a post-Trump kind of revitalization. And I hope the Democrats are up for it. I'm doing everything I can 
to be there to be there at that moment to meet the people where they're at because I think it's about to happen. And this is why I think what what Joe Biden is doing is so important. Um, you know, I've been saying for a while, I, the thing that I'm thrilled about is his move away from neoliberalism, the fact that yes. we're, we're reshoring manufacturing, the fact that he's, he's, you know, everything he does executive order wise, policy wise, is encouraging people to join and form unions, ensuring that workers get a fair cut of the, the work that's being done, uh, kind of, you know, hearkening back to, you know, my grandparents generation ensuring that that wages are sufficient to support families and and part of that i think is what you're talking about and i'm, I'm i would like them to to do more more talking about that uh you know, more right. focusing on on rebuilding that prosperity of work and and a prosperous working class of of, of the past well when, when i go down to my local bar shout out to princes uh you know great conversations and and, you know, it's a split. I get a lot of Republicans there, a lot of Democrats there. And uh, when I talk to a lot of the Republicans, like when we do our deep dives, I'll talk for 20 minutes on how corporations are screwing us over. And after that, I go, well, this is exactly why I think Joe Biden's the best president in my lifetime. And they look at me in the shock and, and are kind of like, what the heck are you talking about? I go, he's the only president in my lifetime that has taken on competition with his executive order He's put Lena Khan as the FTC chair. He's put uh, Jonathan Cantor as the uh, uh, the head of the DOJ for the antitrust division. And Tim Wu was part of the economic uh, council at the beginning. All these pieces have led up to this moment. And is it, do I want them to continue to go further and way further? Absolutely, but this is the first step. And so what you, you see the comparison between Trump. What did Trump do? He, he gave tax cuts to the super wealthy there's nothing more uh, perfectly set than, and perfectly put that the Republicans did. They gave permanent tax cuts to the corporations and the super wealthy, and they gave working class people temporary yep. tax cuts. Yeah. There, that's that's it. You know, that's that's the sentence right there. That should be the mic drop moment. That should be the moment you go. Yep, right. We we know everything you're about, but but here's the thing. You know, they they talk about deregulation as well. Uh, you know, so yeah. who does deregulation help? It doesn't help you or me. It helps corporate profits. It doesn't exactly. trickle down in higher wages or more jobs. It what what trickles down is uh, less safe working conditions, uh, less safe environmental conditions, uh, less safe you know, uh, you, know, you know places of of employment. This is this is the part that we don't get to we don't get to hear enough of. Right, right, and and that's, I mean. Food safety is, is like is even an issue because these corporations have so much power and the additives and everything. We, I'll say this right now with the where like the rural America right now, and it goes beyond rural America because they create the food that we eat. There's the the rural economy, the food we eat, and our political system are unhealthy and they're unsustainable. Right, and that's that's where we're at right now. We need change. We absolutely do, and that's uh, that's, uh, and I think you're 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 right that you know Trump was that backlash to change, and this is why I said in 2016 had Bernie Sanders been the the nominee for the Democrats, I think Sanders would have won hands down, uh, but you know here's here's the thing, uh, I'm concerned that a lot of people think that once Trump is gone, all of the problems that are are facing. Uh, the country are going to be gone too, and I think that's that's wrong because I think yeah. the Republican Party has gone completely off the deep end. Uh, I think oh, the the party as a whole right now 
um, gets worse. Uh, there's still going to be, like in your state, uh, the uh, Republicans attacking public education, uh, attacking, you know, education funding, you know, attacking child labor laws. I mean, did you see the the bill in Indiana that's moving? Yeah. They want to let yeah. children, if you finish eighth grade, you can quit school if you're 14, go work on that factory farm. How insane they, oh, is that? And the bill that was here in Iowa last year where they allowed 14 year old girls to work at bars until 11 PM. Like just insane and unsafe, like yeah. just common sense. What the heck are we doing here? You know? And it's the, I, the frustrating thing for me is being a state legislator and, and working with my colleagues. I don't know where the line is because like some of the things they're proposing, like our state quarter is foundation in education. And yet just this week alone, this, the, uh, board of directors or the the board, uh, the director of the the Department of Education is uh, checking with eight charter schools from and seven of them are from out of state that that they want to put public money and they're in, going to either Cedar Rapids or Des Moines. So all these rural taxes, <laughs> you know, are funneling to private schools that will be only in Cedar Rapids and Des Moines. So, so let me and ask yet, you this, because and yet they get reelected right now, and so, so that's why I think twenty twenty four is such a our backs against the wall for Democrats here in Iowa. So, isn't this a moment for Democrats in Iowa to go to those rural communities and go, hey, they're 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 literally stealing your public schools, they're stealing your local schools. Is there no? I mean, in my rural community, uh, the local school that's that's the center. That's that's oh everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here, here's one of the other problems is because all eyes are on Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, like those, those states. And we, and we lost the caucuses. There's not the national funding coming into this state. We're, I mean, we're doing everything we can on our own, but like, yeah. there's also like the national narrative and like the national narrative is kind of what got us here in the first place. And so that's, it, it's, it's been tough in like, I'm one of only two Democrats in the entire western half of the state, and I'm the only one in Northwest Iowa. So for all my pre-legislative meetings and everything that I've had to endure the past month or so, I'm one of probably ten in the room that, and I'm the only Democrat. And if I wasn't there, the Democratic message doesn't come out, and that's it. It, it weighs on you too, and and so, you know, we're fighting tooth and nail out here, but uh, it's just uh, we're doing the best we can. I'll say that, or I'm not. At least I am. No, this is this is the thing that, that worries me because Liz Cheney the other day said that you know once the cult of personality goes away and I and I I, I alluded to this a moment ago once the once Trump and the cult cult of personality goes away we can get back to fighting a, on conservative principles and values and I'm looking at what passed for today's conservative principles and values and I got to tell you it, it it's frightening um, and yeah. to be honest it's what got us into the mess that we're in right now you know conservative economics you know, supply side voodoo Reaganomics is the reason we are where we are. It's the reason wages are, are, have been stagnant for 40, 50 years. It's the reason we've had deindustrialization. It's the reason we've had all of the, the problems that we've had over these last uh, several decades. Uh, and I don't see that it's going to help going forward. Absolutely. And I was at a farm bureau event and they are as far away from Democrats as possible right now. Uh, and uh, it, it was great talking to the farmers because they all get it. In fact, one farmer who I know is is uh, Republican, very strong Republican. 
he was blaming Reagan for a lot of the concentration issues that we were talking about at the meeting. Um, you know, we had a fertilizer plant uh, that the state of Iowa invested $100 million in on the other side of the state. And with local uh, tax breaks and federal tax breaks, this company got over $500 million of breaks to create a plant on the other side of the state because the big companies like Coke, uh, which owns, there, there's four companies that control 75% of the marketplace in this type of fertilizer, nitrogen fertilizer. And the reason why they wanted to start this company is because the big four were pricing out our farmers. So they started it, gave all this money to, well, just last month, Coke bought them out for $3 billion after about four or five years of being in production. And there's nothing more that says what's happening. And, and that's that was all Republican doing. And just, that's it. You know, you, you create, you try to create a solution and with when you deregulate it so anything can happen. And then all of a sudden the thing that you were creating to stop happens. You know, I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day about about that. Just just that. I said, look, you know, the reality is, is, you know, when we were younger, you know, we owned our, our own parking lots. Uh, we didn't privatize the parking authority. We didn't privatize p prisons. We didn't privatize water and sewer. We didn't privatize, uh, you know, the turnpikes. You know, go down the list, uh, you know, of all of the things that over the last 30, 40 years that we've privatized and profitized. And we're told that we were going to get better, cheaper services. And what turned out to be, uh, it ended up costing us much more. We got crummier services. And in the end, we ended up spending more uh, when we got it back because we had to fix all of it again because they let it they ran it into the ground for short-term profit and short-term gain and we ended up holding the bag again and again and again and we've seen this movie over and over and yet we still keep doing it and yet we we keep we keep we keep electing people who keep pushing this poison and and what we're seeing I, I, we're seeing it here in Iowa for sure but it's across the nation nursing homes yeah the oh. privatization uh, the you, you know, we, we had an awful, awful situation, which I'm not going to repeat on here, but it was a situation where um, uh, an elderly lady uh, gets sexually assaulted and then gets evicted and sent to a, a, a homeless shelter. She did nothing wrong. Oh. The, it, just awful situation. Iowa is second to last in inspectors per nursing homes in the country. And, and we privatize the inspection. It's just absolutely just ridiculous. What are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing? Well, because they're going to police themselves. You know, they're, they're going to police themselves. They're going to do what's in their best interests. And, yeah. and they, they are. They're going to they're going to come. So last question I've got. Is there a way forward? Yeah. And, and, you know, is 2024 uh, the answer going to help move us forward? Thoughts? I I am. Uh, like I said, I am convinced there's a potential for a massive, massive movement. And so I think it, I, I'm not a predictor. I'm not anything like that. But that is what I am working on. I I don't know where the, the line's going to cross, where, where it's going to happen. But what I'm preparing for is 2026, 2028. I think there's going to be a massive movement here in the U.S. because we are we are living in the second Gilded Age. It's the haves and the haves not, and the haves are getting more, and the rest of us are getting left behind. You and so right. do we need Democrats to, to figure out the message on this and to start broadening 
the spectrum of who we target when we we try to get voters absolutely because you look at the senate the senate's the senate's set you know we can complain all we want that 30 percent uh of the country or the population 70 percent of the population's in 15 states so that means 70 percent of the senate is only 30 percent of the population so like we're not expanding there. So we have to do better in states like Iowa. And so that is what I'm so passionate about is, is making sure that, that we continue to fight and and that the state of Iowa bounces back to being a proudly purple state. I'm right there with you. I, I, uh, look, I, I, one of my one of the, my favorite people, Tom Harkin, was was a senator from Iowa for years. I would love to see someone like Senator Harkin back uh, in the Senate from Iowa. Uh, other than the two crazy people you've got right now. Uh, but, J.D., I appreciate the time. It would be great to see J.D. Schulten in the Senate uh, someday. But, J.D., appreciate the time. Always always good talking Thank with you. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. Uh, Have a great night. J.D. Schulten, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, what's it going to take? What's it going to take to move us uh, back in a direction where we, oh, I don't know, come somewhere near the same line? Email me, rick at ricksmithshow.com. I want to hear your thoughts. For those of you watching on our free speech TV show, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you back here uh, next time. Everyone on, on the radio affiliates, we'll take a quick break back after this. For everyone, if you miss any portion of the program, always grab the podcast. You can find that at therigsmithshow.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So quite an interesting quote from Ted Cruz, of all people. Uh, As winter is upon us and the cold and the freezing, uh, because it does get cold in Texas, uh, Ted Cruz decided that was a good idea to tweet out uh, to his fellow Texans, Texans, with the freeze coming, wrap your pipes, cover your plants, Stay off icy roads and keep your family safe. And if it gets too damn cold, join me in Cancun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, he, he, he tweeted it out. Um, and, and again, this is one of those things that I say about Republicans all the time, that when they screw up, they lean into it. They, they go right through it. Democrats would be apologizing forever over this. But Republicans, no, no. Yeah, we let our constituents freeze to death. <laughs> yeah, remember, remember when we let them freeze to death? Oh, that was funny. Yeah, it was funny how we did that. Uh, anyway, here to share some thoughts on, well, letting them freeze to death. I've asked our good friend Bob Nay, former Ohio congressman, political analyst, to come share some thoughts. What do you think, Bob? Uh, funny joke or just in bad taste? Or worse. Well, both. But uh, if I was Ted Cruz by, you know, sometime tomorrow, I would be saying my my account was hacked. I need to find out who hacked my account. That's that's I I would blame 
somebody. See, but I say this all the time about but current the current batch of Republicans. They never they never back up. They never never apologize. Well, they never true. admit when they're wrong. And when they do screw up, they normalize it. This is this is the Trump GOP man. This is this is exactly what they do. Well, in 2016, you know, I kept, as you know, when I was working for Ellen Ratner, I kept saying that Trump was going to win the primary, Jeb Bush was going to drop out. People said, you're crazy. Karl Rove's got Jeb Bush in there. It's, it's all done. Look at the things Trump said. Uh, John Kasich at that time was kind of playing Mr. Rogers. You know, He's not really Mr. Rogers in person, but he was playing Mr. Rogers. And I could see where Trump, by not backing down, no matter what, and you could play a video. You just said this. No, I said something beautiful, you know. So no matter what he did, he didn't back down. He started something because in the old days, you back off and then the media comes after you and then you have to make another statement and they come after you. Trump normalized ignoring the answer. Yeah. He he normalized it. No, no doubt. It's, it's quite but remarkable. Ted Cruz can't get away with it. He can't, he can't get away with it. I, I sure hope not. Uh, but it's interesting, though, you know, with with yesterday being the Iowa caucus uh, and, and Ted Cruz having won the 2016 Iowa caucus right. uh, that Trump conveniently forgot. I mean, he said he won uh, two consecutive Iowa caucuses and this was going to be his third, uh, I guess, forgot 2016. But, yep, he uh, right. uh, the, the faithful out there in Iowa braved the cold that I guess Ted Cruz uh, you know, doesn't care about Texans, uh, but went out and, and they went and they voted for for Trump. Right. Yeah, he took he took the caucus. He should have taken it. I, I'm thinking if I was one of his campaign people, he should have taken it by a larger margin, more towards 60 percent because he's Donald Trump. Now, right. again, he will normalize 53 percent as a big win because, you know, after all, 91 indictments, you know, everything that's happened. OK, it is technically a good win. But for Donald Trump. He would like to have been at the at the sixty percent point, no question about it. And he should have been. I mean, you know, I think the, the goal been. for him was that was the bar for him. And right. I don't True. see this as a huge victory for him. I see this as he got by. He got out of this. He got out of this first this first block. Uh, we'll see what happens right. in New Hampshire. Now, DeSantis and Haley were close. I kind of predicted that wrong. I thought Haley would beat him. It's close. She's two points off, but I thought she would beat him. In particular, because uh, she had the Koch brothers' money to start her her ground game, and and if you look at the history of the Iowa caucus, it's kind of interesting. Uh, even though money was spent there, not necessarily um, a money spending game. Iowa caucus is a ground game, and so I thought with Haley, with all the Koch brothers infusion, uh, I still call them Koch brothers as one, but I call them. Koch brothers, with all the infusion of the money, I thought, okay, she'd come out a little bit ahead, but she's close enough to keep keep alive in this. Obviously, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, has some problems at 7%. Right. But Delaware's four, you've got four for um, DeSantis and four for Haley. Uh, so they're alive. They're still alive. And uh, again, I, like you, I thought Haley would have beaten DeSantis because DeSantis is just right. bad at this. I mean, you're watching right. him campaign in iowa and be around old people was just painful to watch i it was painful right. to watch for him at how bad he is at this but you said it's you know it's not about money uh it, it kind of was about money this was the most expensive iowa caucus yes. on record over a hundred and twenty million dollars 
spent right. on ads by the campaigns and their affiliates. Uh, I mean, they spent million. money. Yeah, they spent money because I, I saw the articles, but it's still, I think the ground game is probably, you know, what activated Haley into a position where she was at least close because uh, you know, about a month or so ago, she was not doing as well. And then the, and the Koch brothers money, you know, came into play in it. Um, but you know, you mentioned something interesting with DeSantis, painful to watch. I watched him during the Republican debate, same thought I had, painful to watch. During the primary in 2016, I purposely, and I told people, I did it, I know on your show, and I told people, turn the sound down, turn the sound down and watch Jeb Bush. It was like Carl Rove was standing there saying, don't you get off that stage, you, no, you're on that stage, no Jeb. And DeSantis has the same thing. When um, Haley was hitting back at him during the debate, he was going like this. He would do this and, you know, and move. And a sure sign he is not comfortable, not only in his own skin, he's not comfortable being around anybody else in their skin. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, field we've got going. I still say there's no way to stop Trump. I, I know a bunch of people are hopeful that, that New Hampshire is going to be where, where Nikki Haley's able to, to, to mount the last stand and derail. I, I, I don't see it, but but here's the thing. Uh, Scaramucci to the rescue, Bob. Uh, it's Scar done. It's done. <laughs> uh, it's Anthony, uh, Anthony Scaramucci says he's going to come out and he's going to campaign for, for, for President Biden because he says Biden. that he is a patriot first. He says a, a, a partisan second. Uh, this is a battle, Scaramucci says, for American democracy, a battle for freedom. And he says when someone's telling you that they're going to go uh, to, to the flex and be a dictator on day one and go after their adversaries, this goes against 200-plus years of the experiment of America. And he's going to be out there stumping for Joe Biden. You think Biden's going to want Scaramucci out there? Well, the mooch is he's not the deep state because people will say this is a deep state plot, you know, and they're trying to get Trump. He's not. It's more likely that somebody in the Trump campaign is taking him to Cancun after the election. <laughs> you know, hey, go campaign, go campaign for Biden. It'll it'll help Trump. So it's more likely not that that's actually happening, but uh, my speculation is more likely that uh, Mooch is going to get a trip, maybe maybe the same trip Ted Cruz takes to Cancun. That's possible for for trying to hurt Biden. I mean, look, I got in trouble with the lobbyist Jack Abramoff. If I ran again, it would be like Abramoff uh, raising my money, doing my fundraisers. Okay? <laughs> same thing. That would Doesn't be funny. Work. But here's the thing. You know, with Scaramucci coming out and, and saying something bad about Trump, all of the best people that Trump hired, because remember, he only was going to surround himself with the best people. All the best people are coming out and saying, this guy's bad. This guy's terrible. This guy was no good. This guy's all about himself. You got Pence saying anyone who would put himself over the Constitution should never be president. And Trump made him choose between him and the Constitution. You got Jim Mathis, former one of, one of his defense secretaries, saying Donald Trump is the first person in my lifetime who doesn't try to unite the American people, doesn't try to, doesn't even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to def, def, divide us. He is more dangerous than anyone could ever imagine. You got John Kelly, one of his chiefs of staff, saying a person that has no idea that what America stands for and no idea what America is about. 
a person who admires autocrats and murderous dictators, a person who has nothing but contempt for our demo democratic institutions, our constitution, our rule of law. You could go down the list, Attorney Second Attorney Bill Barr. He's a consummate narcissist and he constantly engages in re reckless conduct. Uh, he always puts his own interest and gratifies his own ego ahead of everything else, including the country's interest. I could go on for an hour of the very best I want people. To add, I want to add one because he's my favorite villain, John Bolton. <laughs> there it is. I got he's one. been my favorite ever since ever since he met with me in my office and I gave a Shakespeare quote when he left. Somebody said, how was the meeting? I said, when I feel the twitching in my thumbs, something <laughs> wicked this way comes. So John, Bol even John Bolton, remember, who was masterminding how we were going to really take control of Iran, et cetera. Even Bolton doesn't like him. Yeah. No, Bol Bolton said that uh, I, I've been in the rooms with him when he met with the uh, the world leaders. I believe they think he's a laughing fool. And the right. idea right. that somehow his presence in office would have deterred Putin is flatly wrong. He's not fit to be president. The list goes right. on and on of the so-called very best right. people. And yet the Red Hat folks uh, in the caucuses, of which four out of the ten people who braved the cold yesterday, they knew that's their guy. Right, right. And what, 91 indictments. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But again, Haley and DeSantis are keeping... Uh, their campaigns alive to position themselves just in case because things have happened as you know you've been in this business for years things have happened that we couldn't have wrote a script on things have happened that are surreal in the political system so so i'm gonna i'm gonna there. say something i'm gonna say something that that i'm gonna get tons of email on and, and, and let it let it fly let the angry email fly uh, I want Trump to be the nominee I, I don't i don't i don't want this i don't want Nikki Haley certainly don't want Nikki Haley yeah. Um, but oh, no. think... if it's if it's Nikki Haley, from there's no server. question that if it's Nikki Haley, the, uh, the the thing could be battery. The uh, thing could be over with if it's Nikki yeah. Haley. Uh, it's a fresh start, etc. Uh, I argue that if Biden would happen to leave, would step step out, then I argue Trump is finished. That's the only way. I argue. I'm that. right there with you. Now, Trump people would be mad at me for that. No, no. Last line of questioning I've got for you, and 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 this is one of those things that you go, uh, I can't believe he said it, but but Donald Trump says, um, he he may be president for more than four years. He said four years and beyond, Bob. He's he's got work to do <laughs> for four years and beyond. Which uh, was that a slip well, of the tongue of Oops, I made a mistake, or was that a slip of the tongue of well, Yeah, I'm not leaving. No, it's 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 getting the. I mean, age eventually gets everybody, but it's getting the the crowd stirred up. They know he can't do it. Although I guess that would be instant constitutional convention, maybe instant state changes, which is not going to happen. Now he's throwing that out there to to get a headline, or he's just going to decide to stay, and you you can't removing from the white house so the question the, the question that i have on this and the reason i brought this up because i we agree on that um do the red hats agree do you see the red hats start going well maybe we do want him for a third term maybe that oh. that two-term thing is antiquated and old and we need to renew because we need our guy well look it will give the red hats the ability to form groups 
raise money, let's change the Constitution, doesn't matter if they do or don't, it would give them something to do for four years. I mean, seriously, some people would think, hey, we can raise money, we can change this, the movement will be there. Sure, it gives them an idea that there's some hope, so keeps them busy for four years. We Absolutely, should, we should start. It raises money. Raise it. Well, yeah, we could. Well, we we, I, well, we could start several groups. You know, either against that or the secondary backup group. I don't know. And then raise money and raise money. There you go. That that seems to be what it's about. But Bob, I appreciate about. the time. As always, Thank great you. stuff, my friend. Thanks so much for taking time for us. Thank you so much, Rick. Thank you. Our good friend Bob Nay. Want to hear your thoughts? Email me, Rick at thericksmithshow.com. Going to take a quick break. Right back after this. Stick around. You're listening to The Rick Smith Show. We're working people. Come to talk. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1942. That was the day that President Franklin Delano Roosevelt reestablished the National War Labor Board, just a little over a month before the United States had entered World War II. In the days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Congress voted to join the global conflict. Soon after the war was declared, the president brought together representatives from both business and labor. The president won commitments of no strikes or lockouts during the conflict. He wanted further assurances, however, that the great industrial war machine would continue to run smoothly. He looked back on how labor disputes were handled during World War I as a model. During that earlier global conflict, President Woodrow Wilson had set up a National War Labor Board. President Roosevelt kept the same name for his board, but charged it with even more sweeping powers. The board consisted of 12 members, four from labor, four from business, and four from the general public. But the overall composition of those selected tilted in favor of business. Any labor dispute that might impact the war effort was set before the board. Since practically the entire United States economy was part of the war engine, this gave the group significant power. In establishing the board, President Roosevelt declared the national interest demands that there shall be no interruptions of any work which contributes to the effective prosecution of the war. The board played a decisive role in setting wages for many workers during the war. Labor protested the hardship of stagnant wages as the raises determined by the board did not keep up with the cost of living as prices were driven up by wartime scarcities. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. Welcome back to The Rick Smith Show. Check out our website, thericksmithshow.com. Questions, comments, something on your mind, email me, rick, at thericksmithshow.com. So, look, you know, I go back to this very best people thing, you know, because you remember Trump told us he was only going to surround himself with the, the best minds, the best talent, the people who are going to gonna make America great. And he went and grabbed a bunch of, of ideologues and a bunch of, you know, right-wing think tank folks. And, and some retreads from other administrations. 
And and to be honest, these are folks who, um, they're they're career folks. They they understand the workings of government. They understand the workings of institutions. And uh, they saw this guy for what he was, uh, this 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 flaming narcissist who it was all about him. And I've had numerous conversations over the years with people who go, no, no, Donald Trump loves America. It's all about America. You know, he's he has put his his whole his whole business, his whole life. Everything's about the country. No, no. Everything's about him. The country's success is, is about him getting credit for it. That's all that matters. And I think the other you know, quote from a couple of days ago, you know, where he said, you know, I, you know, I hope the recession, I hope the you know, major collapse, and, you know, because I don't want to look like Herbert Hoover. I hope it happens under Biden. He's hoping for economic pain for working people. He's hoping for a disaster for working people. Millions of people to lose their jobs, lose their homes, lose their savings, you know, not be able to put food on the table, keep a roof over their head, kids not to be able to go to college, families not to have health insurance. And if someone gets sick, sorry, you're going to not make it. I mean, listen to the words that come out of his mouth. So I go and I listen to the, the very best people. You know, like James Mathis saying, look, this is the first president of my lifetime who doesn't try and unite the country, does not even pretend to try. He divides us. He tears us apart. He is dangerous. He's more dangerous than anyone could ever imagine. John Kelly saying he's got no idea what this country stands for. He admires autocrats and, and, and murderous dictators. Bill Barr saying he's the consummate narcissist. It's all about his gratifying his own ego. It's all about the id. He's the consummate id. McMaster, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster, one of his national security advisors. President, President Trump and other officials have repeatedly compromised our principles in pursuit of partisan advantage and personal gain. Again, but Rick, it's all about because he loves the country so much. No, it's all about how much coin he can put in his pocket, how much, how much love and adoration he can put into his own, into his own world. Mark Esper, the former Defense Secretary, Donald Trump, he puts himself before country. His actions are all about him and not about the country. That pretty much sums it up. And yet, yesterday he won the Iowa caucus. He convinced a bunch of farmers and a bunch of Iowans that, yep, he's the guy. He's our guy. A guy who it's it's all about him. And, you know, I used to, I had, I had a, an acquaintance years ago who used to be a lawyer for the USFL. Years, years and years ago. The You know, that, that spring football league that, that sprung up back in the 80s, uh, of which Trump was one of the co-owners of, I think it was the New Jersey Generals. And this, this guy told me this story of, of how Trump basically came into a meeting after, you know, they, they were hammering out an, an agreement for hours, just, you know, negotiating and just hammering stuff out. Trump came in, was, was Mr. Art of the Deal, came in and within, you know, like 20 minutes blew the whole thing up and, and basically gave away everything that the union, the union wanted and, and basically set the owners back, you know, you know, <laughs> to square one 
And and ultimately, it would have, you know, this guy said, look, you know, what he did is he, he almost, he put the league in, in jeopardy because it was about him. He was going to come in and make the deal. He was going to be the knight in shining armor. He was going to be the one. He knew better. He knew nothing about football. He knew nothing about running a league. He knew nothing about anything. He was just a guy who, he, he's a wheeler and a dealer. He's a gambler. And and as this guy tells the story, ultimately what he gave away and what he, what he did ultimately helped bring the league down. Um, outside of the fact that it, you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a you know, it didn't have the the viewer base and the TV contracts and all the the stuff to hold it up, but I've heard that kind of story over and over and over again. That it's it's all about him and it's all about his ego. And look, that's not somebody you want running the country. That's not somebody that you want trying to solve problems. Trump is not a sol- problem solver. He's a problem creator. Look at what he does on the stump. Look at the kind of, of rhetoric that he uses on the stump. It's not, a, it's not inclusive. It's not bringing us together. It's not saying, hey, this is how we're going to get better lives. No, it's about tearing each other apart. And look, I like good, I li- I like good locker room rhetoric like anybody else. I like good, hey, let's, let's take them out. I, you know, I, like anybody else, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. That's fun. Yeah. It's not how you lead. It's not how you move a country forward. And in the four years that he was president, sorry, I, I know I know we like to think there were good times. But if you stop and think about it, he took over an economy that was was growing and doing really well. Thank you, Barack Obama. And then, hmm, remember, he he's responsible for 25% of our debt. He, in four years, is responsible for a quarter of our $34 trillion debt. If you give me the ability to spend $8 trillion, I will get you a heated up economy. If you give me the ability to spend that kind of money, I will get you a heated up economy. And the thing that gets me is most people are, you know, this is Biden inflation. No, a lot of this inflation, thank you, Donald Trump. Joe Biden gave away $600. <laughs> or was it 14? It was 1400. Joe Biden gave away $1400 cuz he it was the 600 that they they he didn't give. It was supposed to be 2 grand. I, the, that's right. The 600 came from Trump. Uh if you remember right before the election cuz he was trying to buy the buy the election and buy votes. If you remember right. No, no, we can't we can't talk about that, Rick. No, no, no. I know history. Don't do that. But here's the thing, and this is where I, I, I gotta I gotta wrap this into. When you got Scaramucci, who look, Biden is not gonna have put Anthony Scaramucci out on the campaign trail uh, as his surrogate. It's not gonna happen. Uh, but Scaramucci going out there and saying, "Look, I'm gonna stand for democracy. I'm gonna stand for for what this country stands for over Donald Trump," is kind of a big deal. Because he was a he was a, for 15 minutes he was the, what their comms guy. Maybe 15 minutes. But he was one of the very best people. He was a true believer. He was there. And he's now saying this guy's bad for democracy. This guy's bad for the country. Uh, I think that's important. The question is, is will, will the faithful care?
will it matter? And in this 11th hour, as we move down the road towards, towards the nomination, is this something that Nikki Haley can use or Ron DeSantis? And, and look, you know, I don't want Nikki Haley, maybe DeSantis, because I think he's just bad at, at this. But I, I, uh, but I think as a country, we have to push back against Trumpism. But beyond Trumpism, Republicanism, the, the, the current Republican Party is a problem. And that is something that has to be dealt with. And I don't know that we're there. I, I, I think I think it's still the the cult of Trump's personality. I think it's still the 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 shock of of his rhetoric. Because look, in my lifetime, no politicians talk like that. No politician has has used that kind of rhetoric, that kind of fiery rhetoric, that kind of that flaming rhetoric. Nobody nobody's done that. Nobody's you know. Nobody's jumped in the middle of all of that. I mean, it's it's really quite, quite disturbing. Because we're not talking about real issues, are we? We're just not. But I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at thericksmithshow.com. Uh, if you miss any portion of the program, make sure you download the podcast. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, you'll find ours. Um. I got to tell you, yeah, not a big surprise with what happened in Iowa. Not a big surprise at all. Uh, but I'll tell you, I, I thought he was gonna. I thought he'd hit 60. Uh, 53. I don't know was a big victory. I don't know that that's that's enough to, to, to for the coronation. Uh, but it's still a victory nonetheless. Uh, anyway, want to hear your thoughts? Email me Rick at thericksmithshow.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you back here next time. You've been listening to The Rick Smith Show. Email Rick at rick at thericksmithshow.com. Until next time, this has been The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.